welcome to Deeper, a podcast by Wollongong Baptist Church. Join us as we take the plunge and dive deeper into the Word of God as recorded in the Bible. Here, we'll unpack and examine further the Bible talks presented on Sundays across our three English-speaking services. To hear the latest sermon, head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org. Today, we'll be thinking through our most recent instalment in the book of 1 Samuel as our pastors answer questions that arose from this week's talk. So, let's get right into it and dive deeper. to another episode of Deeper. My name is Grace Jones. Today we are looking at 1 Samuel chapters 21 through to 26, which is a rather large chunk. Uh, This was preached on the 7th of July by Rod Bailey, who joins me now. Welcome back, Rod. Great to be here, Grace. Thanks for your talk on Sunday. You talked about um, God's guidance and how we can trust in a God and how does he guide us. Can you just flesh out a little bit for us about what 1 Samuel 21 to 26 was about? Um, in terms of the actual storyline. Yeah, it's a big chunk and the largest one that we're doing in this series. And the reason we did it is this whole section, David is on the run from Saul. So he's spending time in uh, various towns. He's mainly in the desert or wilderness areas, um, on the run, staying in strongholds, in caves. So this whole section, um, he's yeah dependent on God's guidance to help him because he's under threat. He's uncertain, presumably, about the future, even though he knows that he has been promised to be the next king of Israel. So um, my big question was along the lines of um, how can we trust in God's plans for us? Because we see David trusting in God's plans for him. But then as we translate it to ourselves, um, it may seem less simple Mm. to us. Yeah, well, a lot of questions have kind of come up from the talk about this idea of guidance and trusting in God and what does that practically look like for us. So um, today's podcast is very much focused on that, on that kind of the reality of trying to apply this to our lives. Mm. Um, So I guess my first question has come uh, through our text line. It says, does God always use our suffering as part of some greater plan? Would we always eventually see how our suffering has been part of something greater that God has worked good through? Mm. Um, so I'm not quite sure exactly how this question connected to the passage. I don't know if you have some more insight there of where that's come from exactly. Yeah, well, I think it's a it's a valid question if you've faced a lot of hard things, you've yeah. faced suffering in your own life. And I guess the hard bit about uh, this question is that the answer is yes, in the sense that uh, nothing is ever wasted in God's mm. economy, if I can put it in those terms. Everything helps us be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Um, Romans 8.28, which is often quoted, tells us that all you know, God works all things for good for those who love him. And, and so we know these truths. The hard bit um, is that we don't often know at the time what the why of the suffering, and we may never know in this life. So it doesn't mean that God's not using it. That suffering will be used to shape us to be more like Jesus. It'll teach us things that we may be able to comfort others, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, you know, we've been comforted in our suffering so that we may comfort others so uh, these things may be used and we may see outworkings of the way god has taught us things that we're able to support others in 
But the truth of the matter is that uh, we live in a fallen world. There are things that happen which um, yeah, may um, certainly help us to become more Christ-like, but which are very hard, um, for which we don't have any reason as to why they happened. Um, the question, why me, often mm. comes up. Yeah. Um, and really, Scripture tells us that we won't know. Um, so one example of that is in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, where... Uh, Moses is the author, um, is recording, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. What that verse is saying is that God has revealed some things to us. His commands and other things are clear in Scripture. We know um, how we're to live in certain ways in terms of moral right and wrong. Um, but we're not always given all the information in terms of other events that happen in our life, certainly suffering. Mm. And we see that in the story of Job most famously, yeah. where he just doesn't know why it's happening and only the reader knows um, that it's a test. Um, so, And that's not to say that all suffering is a test from the devil either. We, yeah. we just don't know. And so that's the hard bit, this side of heaven. So what do we do with that? If we're in the midst of suffering now, we're wondering about questions of, oh, has God guided me into this? moment of darkness or is he with me or what what would you say to someone who's suffering right now yeah i think that the number one thing to be reminded of is god's love and care and presence with us which is hard to see when we're in the midst of suffering we Mm. feel like god is not present with us um but our feelings are one thing uh the true promises that god has made to us in his word are another yes and that's the struggle for us um that god promises to be with us to the very end of the age uh, Matthew twenty eight twenty, mm. um, he tells us that his spirit abides in us um, if we've trusted in Jesus. Uh, we know that God loves and cares for all those who are his. Indeed, he loves and cares for everything in his creation. So there's a sense in which, yeah, we can never be outside of God's love, that he, um, we can never have lost his presence. Mm. And yet our experience of suffering uh, can feel different to that. Um, and so I think we just need... Um, loving friends christian friends and family um to keep reminding us gently of those promises um not in a way that's um scolding they often are not facing what we're facing and so we can find it hard to hear but from those we trust and respect the most i think we need to hear those reassurances and those reminders of god's care but we need to remind ourselves and that will be hard it's not going to come to mind So we need to keep reading God's word. And sometimes when we're really down or in a really difficult situation in our life, what happens is we stop reading God's word, we stop praying, and we have a sense of distance from God. Um, Again, that's a sense of, that's a feeling or a sense, not a a truth. Mm. The truth is we're never closer or further away from God than when we're trusted in his son. So um, yeah, I guess it's very hard. We've got to process our feelings, which are real, and hard and we don't want to deny them yeah but we've got to balance that uh, with god's promises and be reminded that there is a bigger picture Hmm. um well you mentioned that um god's present in everything that he's in control of everything Uh, so if, if nothing can happen outside of god's plan and no power or sin can thwart those plans um then is there ever such a thing as missed opportunities Yes and no. Um, Yes, there are missed opportunities in the sense that we can um, 
make a choice which is unwise, which can lead to consequences in our life, which can take us down a road that we think, well, if we had not of, then there might have been things that would have taken place yeah. that now won't happen. Certainly that's true for every person that's ever lived. Um, but as a Christian, we need to understand that those choices, whether they're good or bad or indifferent, never surprised God. So in yeah. a sense, they're always within his sovereign plan. So he wasn't shocked. Even <laughs> if it was an unwise choice, he knew it was going to happen. Mm. And so there's a sense in which we, we never step outside of God's sovereign plan for us. And so from that viewpoint, uh, nothing happens outside of God's plan. Um, that doesn't mean that God planned bad things for us. That was our mm. sinful choice or unwise choice. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're equally... Uh, on the surface they seem equally good choices to us it's not a moral right or wrong decision it's just a wise versus unwise decision we choose the unwise one and god perhaps lets us do that because that then teaches us something that is useful then in conforming us more to the likeness of jesus Uh, that's hard for us too because we like to think that god will always sort of press us into the good things yeah and that we won't ever take those wrong turns yeah um but that again is because our mindset always as we approach our life is to have the comfortable route, um, the route that will give the least suffering, the least stress in my life, whereas God's plan for my life is to grow me in godliness and conform me to the likeness of his son. And that's more likely to happen as I go through hard things or suffering. We don't like to hear that, but it's a Mm. truth that just comes out over and over again in scripture. Mm. Well, it seems that in David's, uh, situation in 1 Samuel here um, that he uh, knew not to take matters into his own hands because he'd been told what would happen um, but as you know we aren't told the consequences of our actions straight up so how are we to know when to wait on God in a situation or when to act yeah and I, I think it's worth stepping back for a moment and saying I don't think it was simple for David either uh, hence the storyline where he's um Friends and soldiers around him are encouraging him to take actions Mm. which he thinks are wrong. But there's pressure upon him. There's a temptation there. So even for David, who knew he was going to be king, Mm. it's not simple because he knows uh, the what he will become the next king of Israel, but he doesn't know the when. And so you know those around him are trying to say, well, when could be right now, David? Just kill Saul and we can move forward. So I think it was complicated even for David. We yeah. can tend to think oh, he had it easy and yeah. we've got it hard. Uh, I don't think that's quite true. Yes, it's hard for us because we don't even know, um, you know, perhaps big picture things like we're going to become the king of Israel as he did. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we've got the hard route that we were exploring, I guess, on Sunday in terms of we need to pray. We need to keep reading God's word. We need to seek counsel from other believers um, who we trust. Um, are wise and care for us we need to also see circumstances sometimes god can work through circumstances and guide us clearly make something impossible or something suddenly a possibility that we never thought of Um, so god can use all of these things and more and so that makes it hard because it's not always clear to us but i guess i want to come back to that point of uh, moral choices versus wisdom choices so so much of the bible uh, in certainly in the law in the first five books and much of the prophets are very clear black and white moral choices that are being expounded you know this is the right action you know murder is always wrong 
You know, these things are very clear. And so we don't have to ask, you know, should I murder this person? That was partly why David knew not to murder Saul, I would argue, that it wasn't just that um, this is not the right timing, but that, that taking somebody's life is always wrong. God had already declared that in the law. Um, so he was quite happy for God to deal with Saul in his own way. And Saul would end up dying through some other means, but not by his hand. Mm. Um so, yeah, there are all these factors to take into play, but we need to realize that sometimes our decisions are not a moral right or wrong decision. They're just a wisdom decision. And I think on those ones, we've got to have more freedom, more trust that um, God has granted us his spirit. He's given us a mind that can think, yeah. um, that is sharpened by the role of the spirit. And we need to step out in faith and make a choice. Mm-hmm. And it may prove to be less wise than we thought later, but perhaps we won't know and God will be teaching us anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- those choices, I think we need to be more active and less passive. Yeah. Um, ones where it's clearly set out, whether it's morally right or wrong, um, we don't need to ask or pray about it. It's, it's already clear. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned prayer and I will come back to that, but you also mentioned um, Christian counsel. Um, and speaking to wise Christians that you um, trust and respect as mature in the faith to um, speak into the specific situation that you're in. Mm. Um, But what should we do when the Christian counsel that we seek discourages us from a course of action that to us appears to be biblically sound? Yeah, that's where it gets difficult. Um, So, and we may really respect the person, which will make it even harder. Mm. Perhaps... um, it's a Christian parent even who, you know, we really value their input into our life. Yeah. And then they're saying something that seems to go against what we'd been planning. Um, and then we're really torn, perhaps. That can be difficult. I think what we need to realize is, um, yes, God has given them the Holy Spirit if they're a believer. But he's also given it to ourselves as we make the decision. And so we need to weigh up, ultimately, if it's a choice that's affecting our life then we want to take on board that counsel. It doesn't mean we need to always receive it, even if it comes from the best place, the mm. best intentions or a person that we you know, really love. Um, even when it's a prophet speaking in the New Testament to Paul, he says he's going to weigh up the information. So in Acts 21 verses 10 and 11, Agabus comes to him and says, uh, takes off his belt and says, the wearer of this belt is going to go to Jerusalem and is going to suffer greatly in Jerusalem. And so then all the other believers are worried. No, Paul, you can't go to Jerusalem as you're planning now. Look, the prophets just told you that if you go there, you'll suffer. And Paul says, no, um, I've heard that and I believe that is true, but I still believe God's calling me to go mm. to Jerusalem and I'm going to go. Yeah. So we need to realize that even if... You know, people give us well-placed wisdom. Yeah. Um, we may have a different view and decide to go with that, and that's okay. Mm. Um, hopefully, we've been prayerful and thoughtful about yeah. our decision. Um, and so if somebody gives us wisdom that confirms what we've been praying and thinking about, perhaps reading in God's Word and feeling convicted about, well, that'll be easy for us. Yes. But there comes these moments where there's a, yeah, there's a contrast, that's and that's a struggle. Yeah, no, but that's a helpful passage that you pointed us to, so thank you. Um, coming back to our passage, though, in the book of 1 Samuel, um, a question that's kind of are based a bit more on the text, I suppose. Um, was Saul still God's anointed king at this point? Um, God honors David's trust and his unwillingness to harm Saul. 
what does this mean for Christians who are living in oppression? Are we ever given reason to rise up against governments? Um, what about quiet subversion? Should a Christian flee a nation if they no longer um, can vis- visibly kind of show themselves to be under Christ's rule? Um, what's Jonathan's example have to say in this? Lots of questions tied up there, but what do you make of all of that? Yeah, another thorny area, isn't it? Um, it comes back to, I guess, the starting point in our passage um, that Saul was starting to act like a despot. He was really a difficult leader at this point and he was seeking to kill David. He'd wiped out a whole town of priests wow. at the town of Nob in um, chapter 21, 22. Um, so Himalek and all his family and all the women and children, everybody's killed by bar one man, Abiathar. And so at that point, you begin to think, well, Saul is not, not only has David been the new anointed and Saul has um, been told that he's going to lose the kingship. And not only that, but God has removed his Holy Spirit from him. His um, spirit is obviously with David. We're told that. So, yeah, there's a sense of which as you read this section that um, you feel justified as a reader that... Um, David might act more violently towards Saul or take matters into his own hands because this person's become unworthy of yeah. honoring anymore. Yeah. Um, I guess David's point is that he was previously the anointed king. He's still the king of Israel until God chooses to remove him yeah. by death. Then he remains in a position and should be honored despite his um, apparent failures and moral bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, and of course, that's the problem in many uh, regimes around or governments around the world today yeah. that we can have people that are quite evil it seems or at least um, yeah, very uh, anti to their people or particularly Christians mm. um, so what happens then I guess uh, Romans 13 is often quoted um, Paul talks there about always being obedient to governments wherever possible that they've been put in place by God yeah. and so however bad we need to acknowledge um, that where to honor them wherever possible. Yeah. And of course, that was difficult in Paul's day. The Roman uh, rule was very anti Christian in the yeah. first three centuries of the church yeah. life. So, you know, he wasn't speaking without a difficult context himself. Mm. But there are limits to that. So, where are the limits? Um, usually, people want to point to Acts 4, uh, verses 19 and 20, where Peter and John are before the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. Um, this is as the early churches started, Peter and others are preaching. They get effectively arrested, dragged before them, questioned. You know, you can't do this. You need to stop speaking in the name of this Jesus. Um, and then Peter replies, well, you be the judge, whether we obey you or God, but we cannot stop speaking about the gospel. And so it seems to be a line at that point yeah. whereby... Um, yes, we need to be wherever honouring governments and those in positions of power. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, pray for the king or other leaders as well. But if that means that uh, they are preventing um, a Christian standing up for their faith or sharing that faith, then certainly that's, I guess, a choice for the individual to make. But there is a point at which we can say no, no further. And mm. we're going to stand for our faith because we don't want to see god dishonored um yeah. it's a choice between obeying god and obeying a civil authority yeah and so i guess we see that with jonathan where he 
um, no longer kind of sides with his own father, but instead with God's anointed. That's right. He's on board with God's plan. He knows that David's anointed. He's accepting of it. And he can see that his father is acting in a way uh, that is terrible. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Saul threatens Jonathan's life and yeah. Jonathan tries to stand up for David. So it's really obvious that yeah. it's um, hard to um, honor Saul anymore, even as his son. So, yeah, difficult choice, but uh, Jonathan's making that kind of choice. Hmm. Um, So you mentioned prayer in your talk and you also referenced it earlier in our discussion. Can you just unpack for us the connection between prayer and guidance? Yes. Again, um, it's perhaps more complex than we'd like it to be. We'd like to think that we can just pray and say, I'm not sure about this decision I need to make tomorrow, Lord. Please give me the answer now. And, of course, uh, that's usually not how it works. And so then we're sort of like, well, how does prayer work? I'm, in the first place, prayer is relational. It's expressing our dependence on God. So sometimes when we approach um, prayer, we only think of it in terms of a functional or transactional uh, event. So I'm only praying to get something or an answer, mm. uh, but I shouldn't be approaching prayer to begin with that way. I'm expressing um, my relationship, my love for God by asking for his help in things. Mm. Um, acknowledging that he is in charge of everything and can give me guidance, but that he doesn't promise to give me guidance in every moment or every situation or perhaps not as quickly as I would like. And so I need to come with that humility when I come in prayer. Having said that, uh, we can certainly pray and ask that God will guide us. There's nothing wrong with asking for God's direction in some decision or situation we're facing. In fact, in James's. letter in the new testament james 1 verse 5 he says if any of you lacks wisdom he should pray and ask god for it Mm. and so we're clearly instructed there to ask for god's help Um, he does use the word wisdom which perhaps comes back to those two categories i was mentioning earlier that you wouldn't really need to ask wisdom about whether you should steal the car next door because that would be wrong always so but if it's whether i should take this job or that job and they look equally um, helpful, yeah. um, then I need wisdom because it's not right or wrong. It's just that one decision might prove to be wiser than the other. Um, so ask for God's wisdom. What does that look like? Well, maybe God will arrange circumstances that will make things clearer for you in the days that follow. Maybe as you're continuing to read his word each day as well, that he'll point something out in scripture that will just to you seem clearly the answer to the very question you've been asking and you'll feel like you have the direction as God speaks to you through his word. Mm. Maybe God will speak to you through a Christian friend or family member, one that you've sought counsel from, perhaps one that you haven't, and they just come to speak to you and then raise this issue and you think, wow, they're answering this question that I have. Um, So I think God can use lots of means uh, to answer our question. And so we should be open to God um, yeah, showing us something uh, through those things. Sometimes... Like we mentioned earlier, it's just not clear. And so we may need to step out in faith and act on... Just pick one. The choice, yeah. yeah. And realizing, I think the, the comfort in doing that is, you know, if I pick job A or job B, God's interest is less in job A or job B and rather in my godliness, whichever job I'm doing. Yeah. And so the problem is um, job A might be wiser and I choose 
job B and it's more difficult and unwise, but then God will use that and teach me things and conform me more to the likeness of Christ. And so it's all useful again yeah. in God's larger plan. Mm. It's just that we don't think in those terms again. That's not so comfortable for us. Uh, so we have to be having that wider perspective, I think, as we come before God in prayer. Mm. My final question then for today is, how does trusting in Jesus help me to trust God in his plans for us? Can you flesh out what you meant when you were talking about that in your talk? Yes, this is an important point. I think sometimes when we say a phrase like trusting Jesus, and I may not have defined it or clarified it that well on Sunday, um, I'm meaning more than just, oh, I've trusted in Jesus for the payment of my sin. I mean, that's crucial. That's how we come to faith. But I guess as we're thinking about the issue of guidance or direction, trusting in Jesus is really about following him each day. I spoke in my talk about God not giving us an exact blueprint of our life, but rather giving us a guide in Jesus. And so we follow our guide, Jesus. How do we do that? Well, Jesus says, if you love me, if you determine to follow me, then you'll obey my words. He says this several times in John's gospel, for example. So really um, looking for um, you know, Christ's direction for my life means reading the Bible that's one basic step. Yeah. And then obeying it and looking at the commands um, and seeking to follow them. Um, so if I'm not reading the Bible and if I'm not putting it into practice, even though I'm reading the Bible, then I'm not really following Jesus. Um, I can have faith in Jesus that he's my saviour, uh, but to seek his direction really means to be more intentional about obeying his word. So that's just an ongoing thing, day by day, week by week, year by year. Um, and so if we, that's part of the process of guidance. I guess if we're never really um, committing ourselves to reading God's word and really seeking to put it into practice, then when I suddenly go to God with my question about what to do now, then it's almost it's come out of the blue, as it were. Mm. Um, it's not that God can't interact with us or answer that question. But I think it, our answers really come in the, in the sense of an ongoing relationship, um, just mm. as we might think about a relationship with another person. And so we need that ongoing discussion back and forth, as it were. I'm hearing God's voice through his word. I'm responding to him in prayer and expressing my thinking about his word. Um, then as I seek to follow Jesus, yeah, it's just a natural outworking of that daily relationship. And so when I've got a particular question in my life, um, are there things that God has been pressing into my life from his word in the past yeah. weeks, months? Or is this something new and it sits outside of anything the Bible addresses? Um, if so, maybe it's not that important. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's just one of those wisdom issues where I just need to make a decision and step out um, with the help of God's Spirit and pray, being prayerful, of course, but just make a choice, act upon it, um, and see what God's going to lead us forward in. Well, thank you for your time this week, Ryan. Thanks, guys. been listening to Deeper by Wollongong Baptist Church. We'd love you to join us at any of our services this coming Sunday. For details and to hear further content, please head to our website at wollongongbaptist.org.